This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 567 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, Bates Saddle, Ham Springer, and Surefoot Equine Stability Program. Today, we have a big show with guests Wendy Murdoch, Felicitas von Neumann Cassell, discussing the Surefoot Stability Pads. Then Vivian Schmidt continues to educate us about bits. For our trainer tip, we're joined by Dr. Hillary Clayton talking about reconditioning our horses for competitions. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. Thank you for doing the intro. I could not get through it. (laughs) Phil couldn't get through it today, guys. So I stepped in. It's been a couple of years, maybe a year or two since we've had one of those (laughs) issues. But just. We got some blooper reel gold for the uh, Horse Radio Network auditors. Yeah. Which too you many get... names, too many topics, <laughs> too much stuff happening. Can't oh, you it. know. Well, let's be real. Thursday night, I look forward to Thursday night even more than normal, everybody. We, we really always look forward to it. But really, this is like, really, this is our social hour. For this a is few. our social time. It's, yeah, it's, this is it. it's our social time. I'm so happy to talk to Phil and Jen's our producer tonight. And, and it's been so fun to talk to our guests. So I'm sure everyone's feeling the same way. Like, it's just like, it's routine, but it's also like, wow, this is a, yeah, there's some level of social, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice. My husband's on a zoom call in the other room. Like we, we were just having a party here at Maplecrest farm. It's the most activity we've had. And, Weeks. weeks yeah weeks weeks yeah. i i even like like put on a clean shirt you know it's like i'm, I'm feeling like i'm killing it you know maybe a little I, you, know. you dressed up you dressed up i dressed up <laughs> i dressed up exactly and no one is seeing it but you know i feel dressed up so you know it's really nice to to talk to you guys and it's nice to be here on the show and and as always we we love it and um phil actually we had a really nice shout out and we appreciate it because we are really trying to to bring some joy to everybody and, and add some a little bit longer shows right now because i think we all have time so we actually got we got a really nice shout out made our day do you have it, it for us? It Phil? was uplifting. So Facebook comment on our on our last show that we put out with uh, uh what did we record last week? Crystal Boylan. Yeah, Crystal. Yeah, we yeah, had we had a Canadian, a Canadian show, show, Phil. It was that for was you. A Canadian show for us. Yes. <laughs> so Suzanne said, Thank thank you so much for the extended episodes during this time. Your podcast continued to improve in qu- content and quality. The interview with Crystal Boylan was another high point. A lovely, insightful, well-rounded interview. She's a treasure of knowledge, experience, and honesty. What I wouldn't give for an opportunity to sit and chat with her over a glass of wine. Kudos, Reese and Phil. So many wonderful guests. I feel guilty just highlighting one of them. 
Yeah, that was Thank so you so sweet. much. It's so Thank nice you. The nice comments. Yeah. <laughs> we love it. And we really are trying to to uplift everyone. I, I hope now, uh, it, you know, competitions in the U.S. at least uh, theoretically start June 1st. So it's coming up. And I think so, we have a really good Yeah, choice. in Ontario here, actually, Barnes just opened this mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday. Okay. Uh, as with a number of other... Um, uh, single player sports. I don't know how else to say that. Individual yeah. sports. So golf, tennis, all these things where you don't have to, you know, non-contact, you know, with people and you can keep a mm-hmm. safe distance. So mm-hmm. that's wonderful for me because I can go back yeah. to, uh, you know, teaching, teaching my students and mm-hmm. they can go back to riding the horses. So, um, kind of everybody in my world in my circle is is really in a good mood and the other wonderful part is that um the weather turned and now we're in summer so well i'm jealous because it's not turned here week yeah we had a beautiful (laughs) week the beginning of the week not so much but um you know some some great stuff happening so that's really uplifting really trying to uh to be positive and you know people oh you know i i don't know if there's going to be shows or not there's nothing scheduled Mm Um, but if there aren't, it's okay. We'll just yep, we'll uh, keep training, training, keep training and we'll do videos and we'll do fun things, maybe freestyles. Got lots of other things we can keep busy with, with, you know, with our horses. I think we just, you know, appreciate our health and appreciate, yeah. uh, that we have horses and, and that they're right. really, they're really kind to us. And, and, you know, yeah. everybody who's kind of gotten back on has been like, Oh, he was really good. I think the horses were missing their people. And their <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's, it's great. It's a wonderful week. Good, good. Well, we have a great show. We're going to get into it now. We're going to have a commercial break with Bait Saddle, Ree, and then we're going to come back with a fun interview with our favorite, Wendy Murdoch, and she has a special guest on her segment today, Felicitas von Neumann-Cassell. We hope you enjoy. Bait Saddles offer highly specialized saddles for every discipline, engineered to bring out the best in you and your horse. Underneath the finest European leather, you will feel the power of innovation. For you, the rider, enjoy instantaneous comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. For your horse, the care cushion system and easy change fit solution ensure the absolute comfort and your peace of mind. Revolutionize your riding experience and fulfill your true potential by riding in a bait saddle. See your local retailer for a test ride or visit baitsaddles.com to find out more. That's baitsaddles.com. Well, we're so happy. Back by popular demand, we have Felicitas von Neumann-Cassell. She's the head trainer, international rider trainer at First Choice Farms. Felicitas, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you guys so much for inviting me again. And um, tonight, I know we want to talk a little bit about a special subject, and the subject are the surefoot pads. And it is a discovery that I have made probably a little bit more than three years ago when we had a horse that was spooky and difficult. And as we searched for answers, I tripped over the surefoot pads and realized that Wendy Murdoch was involved, or not just involved, she was the inventor. 
And it struck my curiosity and lovely. She lives close enough by and she offered that she would come by and introduce the Shurford Pads to us. And the first time around when we used them, I kind of stood back and as most people are, they kind of shake their heads and go like, what are we doing here? Trying to understand what is happening. And the mirror that we used them on didn't have a really impressive change. And so I put it in my back of my mind, but I was not at first convinced. And I'm not a gimme kind of person, but if there is something that I can do to help the horses, I certainly will do that. And I always look for more answers. So it was in the back of my mind, but I wasn't sold. And then I got another horse that dealt with extreme tension issues. And I know he had physical issues, but also mental issues. And I, again, looking for more answers, went back and I thought about the Shurfoot pads. And so Sweet Wendy came back out and we played with more horses on the pads. And for her, it was sometimes difficult to convince me of the horse's relaxations because we have so many techniques. I do a lot of stuff on the ground through some body work and other work that the horses are all very relaxed. So we didn't get the incredible result at first of a horse that goes from wide-eyed to relaxed and, and almost turned inward sort of feeling. But I could see a change in the horse's. And she left me a set of the pads. And that was the beginning. And I never looked back because now I've had the set and I had to go and play with all the horses. (laughs) And I started to realize what subtle changes they were. And it took a lot of intuition. And I think people are sometimes afraid with these pads. They're looking for a recipe. How do we use them for the horse? You know, where do you start? Which, which, which color should I use? On which leg? And it really doesn't work like that. You have to see that every horse is different in their responses. They have different issues, different problems. And so I had to experiment. And I became a huge experimenter because I didn't just use the pads um singly all the way around i started doubling them up and using them in different ways and it was really amazing to see some of the changes and i want to talk about a couple of uh, really special stories one time i i went and gave a clinic and it was a student of mine who also bought the pads and used them on her horses. And a lady came with a young horse that I had briefly in training. And she came from an outside barn. So for the horse, the environment was new. And he could be pretty wide-eyed and overwhelmed by the environment. And uh, usually I would just try to lunge him and do certain things with him. But having the pads available there... I put him on the pads when she came in and he came in wide-eyed and snorting, but he was very good to work with 
to put him on the pads. And within 10 minutes, this horse stood on the pads and you could see him take in the environment and he was completely quiet, but looked around. He wasn't in a coma. He was looking and seeing, but it's almost like he was taking in the environment, but the pads grounded him that they helped him to take in the environment without running away, without the flight instinct. And so after 10 minutes, I took him off the pads and I hand walked him for the lady and I walked him around both directions and he walked behind me totally relaxed, not looking right or left. So then I handed her the horse and she lunged him. He had no explosions. He just lunged like a good old boy. And I looked at her and said, well, I think it's time to get on. And she got on him and I put her with her on him back on the pads. And so the two of them stood there for another 10 minutes. And it is always interesting for the rider to start to feel the horse's body when they have to start to find their balance on the pads. And there's a gentle swaying and the rider starts to get a sense of how easily you can actually throw the horse off balance. And after 10 minutes, I took her, I walked her off the pads and she rode the horse and just had a wonderful ride. But to see the click in his temperament was really very unusual. I just never quite have seen it like that. So that really convinced me that besides that the pads challenged the horse physically by finding their center and they have a very relaxing uh, uh, function or reaction, how should I say it, that to me is not always explanatory, but I almost feel like grounded on the paths, the horses download some of sometimes their past or, or some of the issues, and you feel like they come off in a different state of mind, and that's just a fantastic tool. So I use them on really all of my horses every day. And with that, I, of course, came up with many more things that I could do with the pads. One of them is that I, you know, do gentle body work. And I started to realize that when I manipulated the horses very gently on the pads, it was like an additional challenge for the horse to stay balanced. And it seemed to be that much more effective, like do a sternal lift or making them reach down with their neck or do a gentle tail pull, for example. Those were things that I have played with. And then I would look at horses and I would think, where is their weakness? So sometimes I would double up the pads in the front. And it was interesting. I've had one horse that was working on the Grand Prix and he really just didn't have a very fancy front leg because they were by nature a little shorter than the hind end. He could really sit, but it was mm -hmm. hard for him to get the front end out of the way. And I put him on the pads, like three of them on top of each other in the front and a little bit something in the back. And I actually sat on him. And when we took him off and I trotted him off, it's like he had twice the spring in the front and it felt like his front legs were longer. 
So was it because he was stretching down and his withers opened up and his sling was more able to work or was it body awareness? I can't explain it, but it was just a very unique experience. And so then I actually did it also reverse. I raised the horse up behind and also found some really great results. How the horse afterwards comes back looser, softer, more body aware. And one of the places where I feel like it has an incredible function is with older horses, for example. I have several clinic places where I can use them because they have them there. And I've had some older schoolmasters who come in and they look like the old lesson horse all beat up. And we spend half of the lesson on the pads. I put them on the pads with a rider on there often and let the rider feel the difference when the horse walks off. And it really is stunning how some horses just got some of the useful youthful spring back in the step and how they're able to move better afterwards. And I just think it's incredibly fascinating. Hey, I was just going to ask Wendy, I mean, she must be pretty used to seeing these sorts of reactions in horses uh, now and, and having a good partner in Felicitas and experimenting through her clinics and, and just expanding the program to lots of horses. Yeah, but I, I, you know, listening to Felicitas is just, it's, it's so fascinating to me because uh, you're such an experimenter and you're so, you're not bound by rules. And so you're willing to just look at the horse and say, what if? And I think that that is how Surefoot works best is when we, we don't have a preconceived notion, but we simply start to explore and interact with the horse and see what happens and keep that child mind. And, um, and that's one of the things that I've loved about watching Felicitas work with the pads. Cause I mean, I remember when she put up a picture of a horse on three pads and I was like, what is she doing? And so I drove up to her farm and I was like, wow, that's okay. I, you know, I hadn't thought about that. Um, and it's nice cause people well, can put their I, own I can't wait on. until you come back because I do much more crazy stuff now. Ah, oh, cool. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's never ending. It's just wonderful. It's, it's really is wonderful to, to watch the horses and, see how much you can help them. Yeah, it really, it's so fascinating. And, um, and I always send, if I have any like um, seconds or anything like that, I send them up to Felicitas and she comes up with a use for them. So um, I've been, yeah, ta- I got, I have another project yeah. that I'm working on that I'm going to bring, I'm not going to say anything about it because we want to make sure it works first, but <laughs> I'm going to bring some up to Felicitas and let her experiment. Cause it's just, Sounds it's great. great. And it's really, yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's just really fun. Well, like you said, like that's that's really with the surefoot. It it's not only does it help the horse, but it's a really good sort of bonding experience with your horse or a good time to sort of learn their reactions and and how they do react in different situations. So, I can see why that would be such an important an important tool, Felicitas, as you're as you're working yeah, on all the horses. You know, for example, when you talk about that, one of the things that I do is I travel with them when I travel with the horses. And I had told Wendy about this before, that it was very interesting to me how after the horses come off the trailer and I put them on the pads, how sometimes they struggle more, which tells us trailer riding is not as simple for the horse as we think. 
writing with Huberta Schmidt at this wonderful symposium and uh, the stabling with my stallion was a little unfortunate with some mares right across. And I was trying to put him on the pads the first day when I got there and he was just beside himself. So it was literally forget it. So I went and rode him. And when I came back the next morning, I could see that he had a little bit of a rough night because he had had a party room in a stall. Yeah. Um, so when I came in with that bag, he looked at that bag and he parked himself there and he literally begged me to put him on because he'd, he'd been stressed out. And Aww. now I could, he could be on the pads and it was so relaxing for him and it was so interesting to me. And this is a horse that, I mean, I still have him and he's on the pads every day and he's had several incidences where he would walk off the pads. Often he stretches one of the hind legs, but he would bow down like a dog, almost the sternum hitting the ground. Like you'd look around and you go like, oh my God, what's happening now? And the horse disappears in front of you. <laughs> so such, such reactions, that's just fascinating to watch. It really is. Absolutely. And Wendy, how, how long, you know, when you, you put horses on the pads every day or, you know, how, how long do you recommend people do that? You know, it's so variable. And that's, that's one of the things is um, people want me to give them a formula, but there, mm -hmm. there really isn't a formula. The only thing I can say is that in the beginning, you really want to keep the session short. Like Felicitas has been doing with this with her horses for a couple of years now. Um, mm -hmm. But when you're starting with a horse, you, you don't know how powerful it's going to be. Um, and one of my webinars that I had was with uh, Dr. Martina Neerthart, who uh, is, is all about fascia. And she's, she actually said to me in that webinar how powerful they are. And you do have to be careful at first because you can overload them. Um, so you're better doing short sessions in the beginning and, and then seeing the response of the horse and then sort of um, dosing it out. And as you see, okay, this is good. He's not sore. You can increase the time and then you can start to, to do more different things. But I always go back to saying, you know, if you're starting a new exercise program, say, say you're starting to do some yoga poses where you're standing on one leg, you have to build up the strength to be able to do that and the coordination. So mm -hmm. um, while some horses will get on the pads and want to stay there for an hour the first time, we have to be good parents and, and say, you know, let's just do a few minutes today and we can always do it again tomorrow. And that's the beauty of yeah. it is that, you know, you can just come back the next day or a couple of days later and, and put them on pads again. And, and you're better doing shorter sessions in the beginning, seeing the response of the horse and then gradually increasing that time so that you don't overload them or make them sore. I've had people literally um, in two sessions of about 20 minutes a piece, the horse was so sore and his stifle, he had had a weakness there. But it caused him to activate all yeah. those muscles. And then when she went to groom him, he was really unhappy. So, oh, yeah. you know, we, we sometimes underestimate just how powerful um, working with instability is. Um, and depending on the weakness of the horse, the, the issues of the horse, it's always important, especially with any kind of tendon injuries and that sort of thing, that you have a very good vet diagnosis before you start this. Um, yeah. And there's vets now that are using surefoot pads, Dr. Sherry Johnson, Dr. Melissa King, Dr. Rachel Bellini, um, 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 uh, Dr. Engel. There's a Maybe lot of veterinarians now using surefoot in their practice. Aware, for sure. Yeah. yeah, they understand. That's fantastic. Well, as always, Wendy, if, if you have fantastic uh, resources online, how can our listeners find more about Shiftfoot? 
So we, we've we um, finally launched our new website, surefootequine.com. Really simple. Um, and yeah, I'm so excited. And um, it's still in, in, being in development, but it's ready for public use. Um, and then I have a YouTube channel now, Surefoot Equine. All of the webinars that I've been doing are up there. And I've had such amazing guests. Felicitas was one of my guests. She's been a very popular webinar guest. Um, and just lots of great information. Um, if you want to purchase Surefoot pads, you can go on to murdochmethod.com. And by the way, for your listeners, because your listeners are so good that I've decided to give um, your listeners a discount code so they can get 10% awesome. off their Surefoot pads. Wow. If they use the co- awesome. code. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Let me write this uh, down. Sure, Hang on. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're writing yeah, them down right now. Down. Okay. It's Sure Love HRN. So S-U-R-E-L-O-V-E-H-R-N. And so that's good until... I think it's the end of July. I have to go back and check, but that, you know, cause your listeners Aww. are great and they message me and tell me that they really love the show. And so I just wanted to give back. Oh, thanks Wendy. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and Felicitas, how can our listeners find you online for clinics or even more information about what you do with the Surefoot pads? Well, best is always Facebook at this point, I have to admit, and we're just getting ready to get out our new website, but Facebook is the best way to contact me, or you can do the old-fashioned way. You can call us at First Choice Farm, 301-854-6541. And I can only encourage anybody, particularly with a discount, you should definitely try it. You'd be amazed what you can find out with your horse. Absolutely. Well, ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show as always, and we look forward to our next chat together. Well, everybody right now, as we're starting to get back to competition and we're looking, this is actually a really good time to take a look at your feeding program and take a look at your supplement program. And as always, Kentucky Performance Products and Karen Isberg, they're fantastic. Um, So definitely touch base with Karen because she'd love to hear from you and to answer any of your questions. And after that break, we're going to come back with Vivian Schmidt from Hamspringer. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Are you worried about digestive disorders such as colic, diarrhea, and ulcers making your horse sick? Try adding Nalox Advanced to your horse's diet. The ingredients in Nalox Advanced support a healthy stomach, robust microflora populations, and normal gut function so digestive disorders become a thing of the past. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages to maintain a healthy gut and reduce the risk of ulcers, diarrhea, and colic. Why take chances with your horse's well-being? Start your horse on Nalox Advanced today. Well, tonight we are always so excited to have Vivian Schmidt. She is the U.S. Sales and Marketing Director for Hermspringer. Vivian, welcome back to the show. We've missed you. Oh, thank you so much. We were we were just chatting off air on how kind of things are going with COVID and and how you know we haven't usually we see each other every couple of months and and so it's very sad we don't we haven't been able to see each other so I'm kind of bummed. Everybody else in the world is in the same boat <laughs> and um, it's it's funny how some people really like the you know the video chats and the video conferences that <clears throat> we're having so many of um on, in the business world and also on a personal level and then you know there's even burnout on that it's like how about just an old-fashioned phone call like can we just do that so <laughs> or a cup of coffee it's really I mean, funny just, 
Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> that would be so amazing. So, well, we're, we're really glad to have you on tonight and we've got some really good questions. We wanted to talk about, we, we have covered a lot of different topics, but we wanted to talk about sort of maybe the 5%, 10% of bits that maybe aren't sort of mainstream. So we've got a list going, but we wanted to kind of start with the mullen mouth. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is and how you use it? Yeah, so um, the mullen mouth is basically, um, if you look at, at the mullen mouth, it's a straight bar bit. <clears throat> so there are no joints and there are no um, curves. Um, for the most part, it is just a straight bar bit. And it comes in, um, Springer makes it in Sensagon, so we have it in metal. We have it as the duo um, option as well as uh, NACE. NACE actually um, makes a mullen mouth as well. And it's one of the most popular NACE bits um, is the mullen mouth. And in, in the NACE brand, it actually comes in a um, different, uh, it comes in a soft, medium, or hard um, plasticizer type of bit as well. So there are many options um, on the mullen mouth side as well, on the mullen bit side as well. And so then the question is, you know, should I try a mullen mouth or what type of horse would you want to um, try a mullen mouth on? And again, what type of material would be um, appropriate? So that's where, you know, you need to know your horse. And if they tolerate <clears throat> the metal, that's probably a, a good option. But if you know that they're not uh, real keen on, on metal bits, then certainly going to a duo or to a nace um, would be an option. And then there, the question also is, you know, the, the thickness of the mullen mouth. We have um, different variations of that, that, you know, and it's the same exact thing that we've talked about with the single jointed and the double jointed bits <clears throat> or any type of bit really is, you know, thicker um, is generally known to be, you know, milder. But again, if you get a bit that's too thick and the horse can't comfortably close their jaw around that bit, um, then it becomes harsh. So that there again, you want to choose wisely and thicker doesn't necessarily always mean kinder or more gentle. Um, so a mullen mouth um, is it's one of those bits where, um, you know, sometimes you think straight bar and you think, okay, um, good for a, uh, a, a dull horse or a dull rider. Um, not so much though, because you have to think that if you are using a rain aid, if you're using your right rain aid or you're using your left rain aid, um, unlike a bit that has one or two joints in it, you are affecting the entire mouth. Um, so when you use your right rein, your left rein is also getting quite a bit of pressure because that bar is not without a joint. There's no place for that pressure to, to quote unquote break. Um, so it is quite an even distribution of pressure with any type of straight bar, um, mullen mouth, and then some of the weymouths as well, um, you know, have much more of that um, unilateral if you want to use that word um, effect, then any type of broken bit. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. Um, I've never used one. I've I mean I've usually been able to find a solution within some sort of of uh, broken broken bit. So I don't have you know much experience. Um, 
you know, but I have had you know, experience we have- with horses that don't like don't like metal and prefer, you know, kind of a, mm-hmm. a well, there was happy mouths and 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 things like that. Yeah, um, you know, there's which, also which, an an interesting bit. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah, that that we have that's that's um, a, a max control that Springer makes, and that's a really interesting bit because it is a double jointed bit, <clears throat> which you know works just like any other double jointed loose ring snaffle does. Um, but when it gets to a certain angle, um, you know, which happens when the horse goes against the bit and starts pulling, it actually sort of locks and it becomes a straight bar. And then, you know, once the horse is, uh, quote unquote through and on the bit again, or, you know, you've made peace, then the, the angle, once the angle of being through, um, slash on the bit happens, then that, um, sort of rigid, the rigidness goes away and it becomes just a double jointed again. So that's really another interesting bit that, um, sort of marries that straight bar, mullen mouth concept with a double jointed you know because again you may not always want to ride your horse in a straight bar so that max control just gives you um an interesting um sort of mid-range between a straight and a double jointed bit wow yeah it sounds like an engineering marvel yeah i'm like wow yeah, that, well, that is. I, you <laughs> know the germans <laughs> yeah. yeah we're all like yeah <laughs> 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 and that comes in a that comes in you know that comes in uh, even a Brudoon, it comes in d rings it comes in a pelham um you know so it's a real interesting mouthpiece with uh, a whole different uh, variety of cheek pieces that you can you can use that yeah that's really interesting that's yeah awesome mm-hmm. i know i'm like wowzers so we also we're going to talk about a hackamore that's a that's a maybe not something i, I don't think it's legal actually in dressage but you may have to, there may be some times that you need to use one, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, a hackamore, you can definitely see, say as, as part of a, a bitless bridle. And that brings us into the whole discussion about bitless bridles too, and mm-hmm. side pulls. And I mean, that's, you know, a, a whole nother discussion. Um, so hackamores are, are quite popular in this um, country. Um, they, uh, we, we sell more hackamores here in the U S than we do in Germany. Um, and yet it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it can be a very effective, um, part of a bridle. Um, I think a lot of times what is a little bit forgotten when we talk about hackamores or when we talk about bitless bridles in general is that they really do put quite a bit of pressure on the, um, horse's nose the lower jaw and and the pole, um, you know, so again, it's one of those things where it can be some horses just have had their mouths ruined. Um, some horses just will not tolerate a bit, you know, even if they haven't been abused or if they haven't really been, um, had a bad experience with a bit, they just prefer not to have a bit or some, quite frankly, some riders, um, you know, let's be honest here. Some riders, um, don't, don't like the idea of putting anything in the horse's mouth. Um, and so going bitless and, 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 or using a hackamore, um, can be a, a, a real good, um, alternative for many reasons. Um, but my, my caution with those is again, um, you know, but just like bits and reins, when we talk about, you know, it, it, it's every, 
the right tools in the right hand, right? And that's yes. that's kind of the, the same thing with the hackamore and the bitless as well. And yeah, I mean, I've always been told that that just because it's it doesn't have a bit doesn't mean it's it's soft and gentle and nice. So, right, um, right. And then there's the the combination hackamores, you know. Then, and you know, obviously we've been very dressage focused in our uh, conversations. Um, but you know, then there's the whole whole jumper scene, and a lot of times what you'll see is you'll see the, sort of a combination hackamore with a bit and a hackamore, right? And 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 then you're really getting Ooh, yeah. um, the pressure in the mouth, you know, from whatever mouthpiece and bit you have in there. Plus, then you have, you know, <laughs> the 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 pull pressure, the um, pressure on on the nose, the lower jaw from the hackamore. So, um, you know, wow. it, it's. Yeah, <laughs> that's out of my wheelhouse for sure. I'm like, huh, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, uh, I wouldn't uh, be comfortable in doing any of that kind of stuff. No, no, yeah. For sure not. I mean, you're talking a lot of leverage, and and you know, but you're also talking uh, with with some of these jumpers. You're talking just uh, about an amazing amount of power. Um, yes. Which is an interesting discussion too, because I I always I always think of dressage as you know you a good dressage test and a good dressage horse should be capable of jumping, you know, a pretty significant course as well. Um, the difference is you don't have the energy in a dressage horse that you're building. You don't have a jump that you're going over to sort of disperse that energy, right? You're just, you continue to ride and mold the energy, ride and mold the energy, ride and shape the energy. And that big oxer never comes in a dressage test, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the end of the whole thing it is never a halt, comes. Right? <laughs> no, no. So yeah, you, right. you continue to comes. just build and shape all this energy, and you're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, where does it go, right? Whereas the jumpers, you build it, and you know, you have a vertical, you have oxers, you have ditches, yeah. you have all, you know, whatever it is <laughs> to sort explosion. of, you know, help you disperse that energy yes yes exactly yeah (laughs) we've all i think we've all experienced when that energy goes the wrong way you know a little too much in the wrong way we find ourselves Mm -hmm. on the hind legs a little bit or something like that right right yeah yeah we've all yep we've (laughs) all yeah yeah and if you haven't (laughs) good for you we we uh we were we're we're in awe of that i love it so any other and other then, kind I mean, of if we talk yeah. about you know sort of uh, talking about you know jumping bits um one of the jumping bits that's quite popular on the jumpers but um i also know quite a few you know dressage riders that either have tried one or have asked about one um are the waterfords um you know the the multi-jointed bits i mean that's just you know one joint after another after another after another Ours happens to be the same joint that we use in our um, double jointed bits, the the KK Ultra, the Dynamics, whatever. We just use the same joint, but a lot of bit makers um, use sort of, um, well, a ball, right? A little bit, bit of a yeah. just a just a round, round mm-hmm. ball, round joint, whatever you want to talk, you know, call it. Um, and there's, you know, anywhere between four to, I don't know, eight, nine, ten of those in between the rings and that's an interesting bit too i mean um but generally speaking it's suitable for the horses that we would you know consider heavy 
um, pushing against the bit, you know, sort of leaning, you know, leaning against the bit against the hand. Um, so that's another, um, you know, good bit to try if you are trying to overcome or trying to work with sort of a strong and maybe, um, overly keen horse. (laughs) Um, and what you want to look out there for is, you know, again, that there's just, that there are no sharp edges. Right. Um, and it's, it's an interesting bit too, because the horse can't really grab onto it. Right. So again, when we talk about horses coming really above the bit or really against the hand, um, one of the things that they tend to do is, is sort of clamp on or, or, you know, get rigid. Um, and this is a bit that the horse doesn't really get an opportunity to hang on to anything because there's nothing solid there for them to sort of lean into. So a little bit the opposite of a, of a mullen mouth that we began the discussion with. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, uh, some horses would like the mullen mouth cause it, they, they need it, something a little bit rigid and uh, you, you want to encourage them to go to the bit and to lean on the bit. And that's, so that's where I think that's a nice yep. uh, dressage option because, you know, some, maybe you're riding a thoroughbred. Yeah. There's lots of, they're, they're just breeding horses with such sensitive, mouths you know yeah uh, you know as we and get again, away if you think from... about it it's a very quiet bit right so mm-hmm. so just like you said you know the thoroughbreds is, is a great example because um you know sometimes they tend to be so busy as is that you, you just really want a quiet steady rider with a quiet steady hand with a quiet steady bit um just to kind of bring some peace um into the horse and and that's where a straight bar mullen mullen mouth type of bit may absolutely be the right answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And, um, that's why bidding is, is so unique and so interesting. And, um, but Vivian, we can thank you enough because you answer all our questions, but some of these bits we talked about, you know, be careful. You can't show in them. They're not legal. Um, just, just heads absolutely. up on that. Got to, yeah. got to throw that out yeah. there, right? We wanted to just give everybody some, some other information about other bits that are out there, just for your general ed- education as well. And if you're a jumper rider, uh, right. we hope that they helped you as well. <laughs> but I didn't want to throw yeah. that in there, so people aren't like, "Oh, we heard and, this." And yeah, and the other thing about the rules that's really interesting, or that's very important to remember too, is that you know each each federation has their own rules, right? So. Um, make sure that you check and, and the rules change and they change a lot every year, and sometimes every, you year. Know, very, every single year they change. Um, yeah. 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 And sometimes, you know, very randomly. So something that has been legal for a while now, all of a sudden isn't, or something that maybe hasn't been legal all of a sudden is. And, you know, you really have to read your federation, your, your rule book for, for mm-hmm. what it is that you are showing. So, whether or not that, you know, specifically for us, eventing dressage rules are different than, than yes. U.S. dressage rules are. Um, then you have Western dressage. Then you have a lot of the um, just breed shows that also have dressage classes and whether or not they're run under just a, a, the breed rules or whether or not they're being run under USDF rules. Um, USEF, you know, so just I cannot urge you yep. as a competitor enough to yep. continue to stay, um, you know, aware of the rules, read your rule book before mm-hmm. you go to the show, 
Um, you know, it, it, nothing, nothing could be worse than, than preparing, you know, especially now we're, we're all, you know, preparing, preparing, preparing. That's Mm -hmm. all any of us can do right now. And then to get to the show and be disqualified over um, something that is clearly written in the rule book. Just, I, I, I I can't. And if you have questions, if you have questions and you get to the competition, ask the TD, that's exactly what they're there for. And um, they can, they can show you. Yep. And in the USEF rule book, just look under Annex A. That's a really good place to go look. Uh, There are pictures there and uh, there's a lot of time has been put into that document. So, um, and if you have any questions, send emails, people will, there, there are people, we, you can send them. And they're really good about getting back to you with questions. Yep. 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 Absolutely. So yeah, I, I think they don't want many, anybody many disqualified you, you maybe, either. You know. Yeah. yeah you. Yeah. I. I was just gonna say, many times you're gonna be, uh, what's available from Springer maybe a new design, and they just haven't had Hasn't a chance to look process. at it. You might have to wait a year before you can ride in that that new great bit that you've just discovered, just because, you know, it's the end of the year that the the rules committees are meeting and deciding on you know bits and and you know the the new the new stuff. And then they'll make it legal for next year or illegal, depending on what their ruling is. And and sometimes that's just a, a case of having to wait. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes right. it truly is just a timing issue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Vivian, as always, we can't thank you enough. You just know, we just love it when you come on. So how can our listeners find you online if they have any questions? So they can go to the Herm Springer USA website. They can go to the Springer um info website and that's a dot de but you can also find it under dot com um you can email me vivian at german-equestrian.com um you can reach me via through you guys my goodness we yeah, make it we pretty can, easy lots of ways, yeah, we yeah. Make it <laughs> lots lots of ways. you have questions you can you can get to to vivian for sure we'd love it well vivian as always thanks so much for coming on and we can't wait to talk to you soon Well, Phil, you and I are both welcoming all our students back. It's so fun to see them. And actually, I noticed today one of my students had um, a new stability stirrup leather. I was so excited because you and I use these and we love them. Um, We truly use them all the time. And I I can't now I really feel the difference if I don't have them on my saddle. And I loved how my student, um, she said she really appreciates these stirrups because they're not bulky under her leg. And she's not a, she's not a big lady. And so that is really a huge bonus of these stirrup leathers. She said, you know, I've just never had anything that fits me as well. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and, and they are very, very good products, especially if you're, um, you know, just depending on your confirmation and, and this particular lady had the slim and they, she loves them. So it's something really cool. I I mean, I haven't heard somebody that has had to send them back, you know? Uh, no. Total Saddle Fit has a, a product guarantee in which you can y- use the product for, actually, I think right now it's 90 days. Wow. wow. And then if you don't like it, return it, full refund. Yeah, so cool. So, I mean, they, they we believe in the products. They believe in their products. They stand mm-hmm. behind them. They're, they're, they work for the comfort and they work for the, the actually, you know, they're called stability stairs because they hold your leg more stable with, with mm-hmm. a wider um leather so uh i don't think you can lose anything by by trying them out um you know not that not that i was really uncomfortable i've been riding for so many years i you just 
Yeah, I didn't notice. You, I didn't notice syrup, until I had you know, them. Yeah, with syrup leathers and the traditional thicker kind, but right. You know, when I switched over to these, I I'm not not going to switch back. That's no, it, right? either. So, <laughs> they're really, really good. Well so, worth uh, the money, and we love them, and and we thank uh, Total Saddle Fit for being a great sponsor to us um, throughout throughout the last four years, I think. So yeah. It's, it's fantastic. So thank you, Justin and totalsaddlefit.com. Check them out. They have great products. And we're going to come back with a total saddle fit tip of the week from Dr. Hillary Clayton. She's one of my personal favorites and she's just a wealth of knowledge and she's fantastic. So we hope you enjoy her interview. Well, tonight, it's really my pleasure to have Dr. Hillary Clayton on our show. She is a writer, a vet, an author, researcher, clinician. She's also my friend, and I'm so thrilled to have you, Dr. Clayton. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, this is like uh, in Florida, you and I go on hacks. We try to go it's usually every two weeks, uh, and we both have been home, and we missed our last hack before we went home. So this is just a fun, a fun get together for us as well. Well, yes, COVID kind of got in the way of the end of our season. <laughs> it really kind of messed it up for us, for sure, for everyone. Yeah. Oh, but we have a great discussion tonight. We are going to talk about sort of the effects of the COVID restrictions on horse fitness and bringing them back from competition and getting them competition ready. So, can you just start us off? Yeah. Well. I think it's different in everybody's situation how it's affected them in terms of being able to see their horse, to ride their horse, to train their horse and so on. So it's really a very broad topic. Um, And I think what we should try and do is figure out some basic rules for different scenarios. Right. Absolutely. So, so let's say, you know, most or a lot of people weren't able to go to the barn for six, eight weeks. So if you're saying, okay, competitions are going to start in a few weeks, where would you start? Right. So if a horse is out of work for up to four weeks, they lose very little fitness, right? So you can have those horses back in a week or two to the level they were at before they were laid off. But if it's more than four weeks, and of course, for the people who haven't been able to ride during the restrictions, it's more like eight to 10 weeks. Um, So during that time, yes, horses have lost some fitness. You can expect it should take about five to six weeks to get those horses back to where they were before they were laid off. Wow. Five to six weeks. That is a long time. It's almost more than you would think if you had that much yes, time off. Yes, it is. Um, you know, so if, if you want just a, a ballpark rule, when you get out beyond a month, however long the horse has been off, it's going to take about half of that time to get them back. Okay. And that allows for you to, you know, start them slowly. It's like yourself. You don't want to do nothing for a couple of months and then suddenly jump into the gym and do everything you did before you you stopped working out, you'd be awfully sore the next day. (laughs) Same thing for the horses. You know, we have to bring them back gently, gradually, and then progressively build up the workload. And and how how much does the level of fitness they were at, you know, uh, before being laid off um, count towards... Uh, what you're going to do with them when you when you bring them back? So I mean, we have all levels of dressage horses, you know, all the way to Grand Prix, 
Um, you know, say I think on average people will have a first level horse or a second level horse. So, um, you know, maybe we can talk to sort of, you know, what's their new baseline after, uh, we'll call it eight weeks. Uh, you know, I think in my, in my, in my experience, we can still do walk, trot, canter or, you know, t- tell us your, your advice and your thoughts on this. Okay, well, that was a long question. Um, I know. Well, a lot of thoughts <laughs> are running through my head all the time. I think you said, how much does the horse's initial fitness affect how long it takes them to come back? And sure, the fitter the horse was to begin with, then the more fitness he's going to have retained at the end of eight weeks. Um, like you said, the majority of horses are probably going out there to compete training first and second levels. And those horses don't need as much fitness as a Grand Prix horse. Now, let me define fitness first. If we look at our dressage tests, the distance the horse goes in a test is just over a kilometer. So, you know, maybe half to three quarters of a mile on average. And the average speed during the test is something like six miles an hour. So, Dressage does not have a need for a huge amount of cardiovascular fitness. It's not like eventing or endurance racing where you really need to be working on doing the the long gallops and getting them fit that way, right? But what a dressage needs is muscular strength. And the higher up the levels you go, the stronger the horses need to be. And at the end of the day, that's really one of the defining factors in terms of how well the horse is going to perform and whether the horse is going to be able to withstand that performance. And by withstand it, I mean um, not develop repetitive strain injuries, which are you know, one of the main causes that we lose horses due to lameness. Okay, so strength is absolutely the most important thing as the horses go up beyond about second level. So uh, maybe maybe you can give us some advice on how to reduce the risk of the repetitive strain injuries. Cross training. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So by definition, you get a repetitive <laughs> strain injury because you do the same thing over and over again, and what that really means the horses is that they're working in the same arena, same footing, same movement day after day after day. So even getting out into a field or going out on the trails, you can practice movements, you know, out in the field, you can practice movements as you go along a trail, or you can just let the horse relax. You can do something different. You can go for a long canter, but you've got to get out of the arena, number one, and you've got to do something that's a little bit different, different footing, different terrain, uphill, downhill, anything that's different. You can have them swim, go on the underwater treadmill. It's all good for orthopedic health in terms of avoiding those repetitive strain injuries. And, you know, the main repetitive strain injury we get is pulled suspensories. And we all know that's bad. Oh, so bad. So bad. So actually asking for a friend, a.k.a. myself, uh, because my neighbor just got um, an underwater treadmill. So, you know, I've been lucky. My horses came home from Florida. We gave them sort of a little vacation, which we usually do, but they've, they've been in full work. They had a week off or so. Um, 
and if you have access to an underwater treadmill, what, you know, that's something different. How often do you go to that? How much do you do? Because it's getting more and more popular. Yeah, I would do it once or twice a week in a horse that is sound and doesn't have a medical reason that he needs to unload the limbs during exercise. So it's something a little bit different. Um, depending how deep the water is, there's more uh, resistance to pulling the legs forward. So the underwater treadmill tends to develop the muscles that pull the legs forward, which are not necessarily, well, they're not the muscles that we primarily need in dressage. But you know, it's, it's a different type of work. It's moving the legs through a wide range of motion. And yeah, I would do it once or twice a week. Okay. Excellent. So when you talk about cross training, you know, and let's say, let's say we're on a five day a week schedule, maybe a six day, how often would you recommend people work in the arena and how often do you recommend cross training? Oh, you're not going to like the answer to this. I would alternate days. Okay. So yeah. One on, one off. Something okay. else in a day doing dressage. And you know, any research that's been done has shown that horses don't learn more quickly by doing it more often, hmm. right? So training them in the arena three days a week, they're probably going to learn just as quickly as if you drill them in the arena six days a week. Okay. Okay. Hmm. And so what about, we haven't talked about lunging or long lining or, or any of that type of work. Um, what are your yeah. thoughts? I am not a big lunger personally, but especially some of these horses that have been off for maybe eight weeks, uh, we have to look after the rider's safety as well. So yes, a little bit of lunging would be okay in the beginning, but don't go crazy. You know, it's the, the same thing. The horses haven't been lunging for eight weeks. You don't want to bring them out and have them spinning around for half an hour to, you know, exhaust them before you get on. If the horses are so fresh, then maybe talk to your veterinarian about sedating them a little bit for the mm -hmm. first days you ride them, I think would be preferable to excessive lunging. So you know, if you're just lunging five minutes each direction, that's fine. Got it. Good. Yeah, yeah, just to let them get out a little bit. Um, yeah, and what if, if they've got some yeah. bucks held yeah. in there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. Right. Yeah, I re just recently this week actually restarted um, I guess, how old is he? He's five, a five-year-old. Um, he was sort of off for even pre-COVID just, uh, just because he had learned everything he needed to do. I, I don't like to really school a lot in the winter because there's a safety aspect with the snow falling off the roof and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can just leave him be and he goes out back, back out in his big field and then and then the COVID hit, right, which I would normally have restarted him in April and, and kind of got going. But then that, so that delayed all of that thing for, for until, like I said, this week. And I'm like, okay, you're just going to lunge every day. But now the weather's turned. He's like, yeah. he's, he's like too warm to do anything crazy. So I'm just like, okay, I just changed that plan right away. Like, okay, I'm just going to get on. And, and I did. And, and it's fine. But, but, you know, it's horses like that that, COVID has had a bigger effect because he was already off for what, maybe a couple of months before the yeah. COVID thing. Yeah, exactly. And if you could not have been doing anything with him during COVID, then that would be, you know, a four month layoff. And 
That's oh, yeah. a long time. Horses haven't retained a much. Long time. Well, he didn't get a whole lot of fitness in the first place. So <laughs> he's, he's, he's just a big baby horse. He you know, yeah. took a really long time to grow. He's now like 17, two at least. And so this is not a guy that's been doing any hard work anyway. So <laughs> it's just like, I'm just basically starting from scratch again. <laughs> yeah, you're not the person that wants to get back into competition as soon as possible. Yeah. No, not not with that guy. Not with that guy for sure. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like, you know, if if you're if you're going to show sort of mid-June, uh, you know, now it's it's reasonable to say it's sort of I guess mid uh, mid to late May. It's it's reasonable to say if you were really riding now you could could reasonably go to competition in in June. Does that uh, sound right? go to a competition in June. You could think about things like dropping down a level, yeah. mm-hmm. um, just doing one competition a day, mm-hmm. anything you can to make it a little bit easier for the horse, just easing back into it. So I just grabbed another question. I see this is why we can talk for hours. But um, So that, that's a good question about amount of tests per day. I'd love to get your take on what you feel horses can really do and you know at what level do you think two tests a day is too much um can you kind of tell us a little bit about that yeah i do two a day up through sort of third level fourth level um doing one a day yeah yeah fourth levels i try to keep the horse fit yeah, but I think I, I completely agree with that. Like yeah. Weather, if if it's really hot and humid, then mm-hmm. one a day might be enough for anybody. There is research mm-hmm. on how long, on average, people warm up for dressage competitions, and you know, again, on average, but across all the levels, it's about the same. It's about half an hour. Really? Okay. Yeah, that makes so sense. You got half an hour warm up and. Know, sort of 10 minutes riding around the arena and doing your test, then you're, you're looking at sort of 40 minutes of work for the horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the work that, that people do in the warm-up, the horses are working at about the same heart rate as they are in the arena. So it's not like they're just walking a whole lot in the warm-up. Right. Okay, so if you're doing two tests a day, you're at almost an hour and 20 minutes, am I right? Hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half of work. So your horse should be fit enough to be able to do that. Um, But I I think we all agree. Once you get to third and fourth level, the work gets pretty hard. And and, and I think it also depends, right, if you're showing, you know, shipping to the show. Because it's far. uh, Are you going hours on a trailer the day before? I think you have to kind of. Well, for me, it depends whether it's a one-day show or or a Mm -hmm. multi-day experience that you want to save the horse for the second day and the third day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep. You know, for us, how we show here is basically three days, and I I don't know a horse that could do a fourth level, you know, show uh, no. show really well, you know, and 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 give me the expression and and all of the all of the you know the best effort he can over if the, you know if that's three days, that's six tests plus maybe you, you arrive early, so you're you know you're um, doing a little bit longer warm up on the first day. And it, that's really tough on a horse. I think that's. Yeah, and most of the shows I do, I either hack in if I'm in Florida or Mm -hmm. I ship in from home and bring the horse back at night. And if it's a three-day show, I'll show first day, last day, give him a day in the field um, on the the middle day. Yeah. And for me, that works very well. Yeah, I agree. I I, I I don't love three-day shows. 
I think by the third day, everyone's exhausted and <laughs> I'm just out. <laughs> yeah. But, but we in Florida, you know, in our neighborhood, you can hack to the horse show. So it is, you know, it's, it's not as stressful as going in a trailer and they get fairly used to it. By the end of the season, they know exactly what's happening. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I, I typically do uh, the first day or the third day or the first and second, but I rarely will show. But again, Philip, you're in a different situation. You guys have a much shorter show season in Canada and yeah to- yeah you know I kind of like it because I have uh, a basic plan for each day of the competition mm-hmm. like I say okay well first day you know first first show day we're showing the first test and we sort of okay let's get the horse kind of uh, ring savvy maybe you know like I'm not sure. really like going for it the second day you know amp it up a little bit and by the third day you know I can decide okay I can do I scratch the horse because he's tired, do I, you know, what, what do I, I sort of have an idea of what, what do I want out of each day, each show? Mm-hmm. Not like, okay, I'm going to go and, and, you know, first day give, you know, give my best, best test. And second day I just do the same thing again. And, and then I think that's, yeah. that's sure. not very useful. Um, sure. but yeah, it just, for everybody, it's something different and you have to have a, a really good plan. And, and, you know, my plan is not to exhaust the horse over three days just right uh, right you have to be you have to be you have to be smart you have to think about it sure. you gotta you gotta make a plan and follow through that's about it yeah i it's love it always good to have a plan <laughs> yes <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> that's the plan that's the plan well well dr clayton thank you so much for your time we can ask so many questions and and you have amazing research out there amazing books uh if our listeners had any questions how can they find you online or, or find more information about all your research Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't have a simple answer to that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I write periodic articles in USDF Connection, and I give talks around the place, and I've written a few books that are available on Amazon. Um, Fantastic. Fantastic. You can, you can, you can, you Google like crazy and, and you're everywhere yeah. and, and we love it. Well, we can't thank you enough for your time and I can't wait to, to see you uh, hopefully at a horse show or for sure for our hacks in the, in the winter in Florida. So thanks for coming on the show. Okay. And thanks for having me. Okay. Cut there, put in the Hillary conversation and then we're going to come out. And we're going to talk close. about the workout. Okay. Yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we'll do it right now. Okay, in three, two, one. Well, Phil, how is your dressage rider training week three going? <laughs> I think, are we in week four? Oh, maybe we're in week four. I think we're in week four, Reese. Sorry, sorry, I'm in week four. I have to, I have to, I have it on my email. You're right, we're week four. <laughs> oh, no. The core, okay. oh, the core. Okay. Oh, the core. Um, we're week four. Sorry, guys. It's, I tell well, you, I don't even now, know what day now, it is. Um, now I'm coming to a busy time. I'm not sitting at home wondering what to do with my, all of my time now, but yeah, uh, I think the, the, the beauty of it is the 20 minute workouts. Yeah. It's huge. You can begin your day with a, with a little workout, yep, you can finish your day with a little workout. Mm-hmm. I, I find it, um, not a problem to fit that into my day. And right. after every time, you know, a little bit when, when I have to do it at the end of the day, a little bit like. Oh, you know, should I do it? But 20 minutes later, I'm like, you know what? That was great. And I feel better. Yeah. And I, I have noticed that it's helped my riding. 
So yes, it's interesting, isn't it? And the core, I, I will say, I got some some uh, text messages, not email or Facebook shoutouts, but I got some texts that were <laughs> quite funny from from a couple of my students that are doing it, and they were the core. The core, I have not done my core yet this week. <laughs> I'm scared, but uh, no, it's it's good. It's it's really Actually, really I, I helpful. I found this week a little a little easier than last week. Oh, good. Last week was like oh, but last yeah. week was <laughs> week four. Week four settled down a little bit. And, okay, and, okay. But but at at the end of it, it was, and then she just talks about week five stepping it up again, and I was just like, oh, you're like, I'm no. just getting comfortable. Right. But, but if everyone, if you don't know what we're talking about, we as a community are doing the dressage rider training program with Nicholas Smith out of, uh, out of New Zealand. And she is fantastic and we're on week four. So keep the Facebook and email shout outs coming. Uh, I enjoy them. I laugh and, and I'm feeling the same way. <laughs> Some text messages I've gotten. So we'd love it. So keep them coming. Um, and, and, it, and, and that's why we're doing this. We're kind of all doing it together. So let us know how you're riding is is doing uh and if you have any questions or comments for us and want to how we can make the show better any special guests you want to get while we're kind of still all a little bit in quarantine let us know and as always you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website dressageradio.com like us on facebook just search dressage radio show follow us on twitter at horse radio my website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com you can find me on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. As always, everybody, keep your heels down, your, sh- your shoulders back, and stay safe and well. And uh, we hope you're enjoying getting back to riding. <laughs>